We invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verses 15 through uh, 21. We're going to return to the the Ten Commandments. I'm sure you're eager to get to the Fifth Commandment, but we're going to come back to that next week. I'm going to put that aside for this Reformation Sunday and look at one of the five solas of the Reformation, and that is uh, Christ alone, as we have just sung. If you have not brought a Bible with you uh, this morning, our passage is found on page 973 in the uh, Pew Bibles in the Pew Racks in front of you. The Reformation, in many ways, was a rediscovery of the gospel. How are sinful human beings saved? How are they made right with a holy God? Is it our faith plus our works? Do we play a part in our salvation? No. Scripture teaches, and the Reformers taught, it's by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone. And really, it's, we're going to see those first two emphasized, faith alone in Christ alone, is what we see here in Galatians 2, 15 through 21. So hear God's word as I read for us this morning. The Apostle Paul writes, We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ And not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Amen. That ends the reading of God's holy word. May he add its blessing uh, to its reading and to its proclamation this morning. Let's go to him in prayer. Our God, how we thank you for your great grace to sinners. And how we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who loved us, who loved us sinners and gave himself 
for them. And so, O God, draw us to yourself. Draw us to the great love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Every, almost every week at prayer meeting, we pray for children of our church who are not walking with the Lord. It's a constant prayer request that's in there week by week. Many of our children and many who walk away from the Lord have intellectual problems with believing in God or believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Some have theological problems, at least those are the stated reasons, but, you know, oftentimes it really boils down to sin problems. They want to do what they want to do, and that's why they walk away from the Lord. In Galatians, Paul is addressing Christians are professing Christians who are turning away from God, turning away from the gospel. And if you turn with me, let's, let's look at the progress of this letter. He begins with his normal greeting section, where he says, Paul, an apostle, in verse Chapter 1, verse 1, he gives his normal normal greeting, grace to you, grace and peace to you, in verse 3. And then normally it's followed by a thanksgiving section, but there is no thanksgiving section here in this letter. He says in verse 6, I am astonished. He's not thankful, he says, I'm astonished that you are quickly deserting him who called you and turning to a different gospel, not that there is another one. There is not another gospel. Here They're turning to a teaching that has a distortion of the gospel. He is reprimanding them, not thanking God for them here. So he goes here on the attack. The problem that Paul is addressing here, as he writes to the Galatians, is what we call Judaizers. Judaizers. They are Jews, professing Jewish Christians, who are teaching Gentiles that they must become Jews in order to be true Christians. They must be circumcised. They must keep certain Jewish laws. And what the Apostle Paul says, that this is a works gospel. We see that in our passage this morning in 2.16. A person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. It is a distortion of the gospel. He says the same thing in chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. O foolish 
Galatians, who has bewitched you. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And the response that Paul gives is we're justified by faith alone in Christ alone. What Paul does in this letter is he points them to Christ again and again and again. He points them to Christ. This is a Christ-centered letter from the very beginning. If you go back to chapter 1, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 4, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. He talks in 112 that he did not receive his gospel from any man but through a revelation of Jesus Christ. In verse 16 of chapter 1, he said that he was, God was pleased to reveal his son to him, that he might preach him, Christ, among the Gentiles. In chapter 4, verses 4 to 7, he talks about Christ. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, that is Christ, to redeem those who were under the law. In chapter 5, verse 1, for freedom Christ has set us free. At the, in chapter six, 6, at the end of the letter, he says, Far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world was crucified to me and I to the world. This letter is about Christ, 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 over and over again. Let's come back to chapter 2, 15 to 21. Here's the thesis statement. It's the heart of the letter. It's about justification by faith, but it's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Martin Luther said, the great reformer, that this doctrine of justification by faith alone is the doctrine on, by which, on which the church fall, stands or falls. Many people today talk about faith. My faith, your faith, whatever it might be. Sometimes my faith is nebulous. It is unclear. Sometimes it seems to be faith in faith. Or maybe it's faith in self. Faith in what? Faith in whom? But Christ alone saves Faith in Christ alone saves. And that's what Paul repeats here in our passage. In fact, in verse 15, he repeats it three times. So first, we see in our passage, we are right with God by faith alone in Christ alone. Let's look at 15 and 16. We ourselves are Jews by faith and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, 
but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Jesus Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Now, we're actually picking up here and as a, a continuation of Paul's speech to Peter that has preceded this. So when he says we ourselves, it's a, it really seems to be a continuation. Paul has been in a, a conversation or telling of a conversation that he, he has had with, with Peter. If you look back at the, at the uh, previous verses, he, he has talked to, to Peter there, or Cephas, as he says in, in, in verse 14. He said to Cephas before uh, them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you... Uh, force Gentiles to live like Jews. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. But he transitions into this very key passage in the letter. We Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, he says here. In fact, that's how Jews viewed Gentiles, as sinners. They didn't have the law. They were seen as unclean. They were uncircumcised. And they confirmed it by the level of their immorality in the ancient world. And then he goes on to say in verse 16, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. If you're reading the ESV, you'll see that there is a footnote there, justified, uh, with the word justified, meaning also as counted righteous. It means to be in right relationship with God. It's actually a legal term, this word justified or counted righteous. A legal term. It means to enjoy a status or standing of being in right relationship with God. The Westminster Shorter Catechism, as many of you are familiar, defines justification in this way. Justification is an act of God's free grace wherein he pardons all our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. We are right with God by faith alone and not by works. As Paul says here, it is, it is not by the law. The law does not save our good works do not save us. And again, the repetition three times. Works do not save. Being a good person does not save. Three times. As Martin Luther says, he beats it into our heads over and over and over. As John Stott says, he, he, he puts it in a general way, he puts it in a personal way, he puts it in a universal way. 
a general way. A person is not a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. He puts it in a personal way. So we have believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Jesus Christ and not by works of the law. And he puts it in a universal way because by works of the law, no one will be justified, universal. You got it? That's what Paul wants, that we get it. Why can't we be? God's standard is perfection. God's standard is perfection. We cannot do it all. We cannot reach that perfection. Why? Because we are sinners. Natural born sinners. Adam and Eve were created without a sin nature. They had the ability to sin and they had the ability not to sin. And they sinned. If they sinned without a sin nature, we can't do it being born with a sin nature. We are unable to keep God's law perfectly. Yet in that garden there was a promise in the early chapters of Genesis of the one who would come to bring redemption a seed of the woman. No one can be saved by works of the law or by good works, period. We cannot meet God's perfect standard. Look at verse, chapter 3, verse 10. All who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. No one could do that by all things written in the book of the law. Look over to chapter 5, verse 3 and 4, same thing. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obliged to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by law. You have fallen away from grace perfectly. Paul says in Romans chapter 3, verse 20, through the law comes knowledge of sin. It doesn't come justification. It come, what comes is knowledge of sin. So we are saved by faith alone, in Christ alone. Literally, the, the Greek here in this second phrase in verse 16 it says we have believed in Christ. By the way, faith and believing are really interchangeable. Uh, faith, the Greek root is pistis. The word for believing is pistuo. It's the same thing. Uh, to believe is really to have faith in. So it's the, basically the, the same idea in these three phrases here in verse 16. And literally, though, the Greek says, believe not in, but believe into. We have believed into Christ Jesus. Though the ESV reads, believe in. What does that mean, believed into? It's not just intellectual assent. It means commitment. We have believed into 
Jesus Christ. Committing ourselves to him. Giving ourselves to him. Running to him for refuge and trusting ourselves to him. Giving ourselves fully to him. Why? There's no hope outside of him. He perfectly kept the law for us. He died on the cross for our sins. By his life and death, we are saved in him alone. We run to him for refuge, faith alone in Christ alone. Nothing in my hands I bring simply to thy cross I cling. Secondly, we see in the rest of the passage those who have been justified by Christ are transformed into the image of Christ. Transformed into the image of Christ. Look at these words beginning in verse 17. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. This doctrine of justification by faith, not works, sounds great, doesn't it? Perhaps it even sounds too great. I'm saved. I don't have to do anything, right? Many say say, it's a dangerous doctrine. Doesn't it undercut people's sense of moral responsibility? It may even condone sin. In fact, that's what Paul's Jewish opponents said. Gentiles, maybe even Jews, we're not going to be obeying the Jewish laws. Perhaps they were saying, and they were saying, Jewish purity laws, Jewish ceremonial laws, Jewish food laws, etc., etc. Doesn't that make Christ an agent of sin? There's always going to be a tendency toward legalism. And it always has good motives. We see sin. We see apathy. So we want to return to the law. Perhaps There's a tendency to say obedience then plays a a part in our salvation. There's also an opposite tendency toward license and antinomism. Paul is negative on the law. So they say, let's get rid of it altogether. But these final verses here show that Paul endorses neither of those 
tendencies. Verse 17, Paul answers his Jewish opponents that righteousness, not through the law, encourages sin. If our endeavor to be justified in Christ, if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? If justified in Christ, we we sin, which we will do. Is Christ a servant of sin? How does Paul respond? Well, first he says, certainly not. How absurd. No way, he says. God forbid. But second, he goes on to say this in verse 18. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. What he's saying here in verse 18 is, even if we are found to be sinners, and we are, it's not because Christ produced it, but I did. I proved myself to be a transgressor. Christ did not produce that sin. And then third, he goes on to say in verses 19 and 20 that Christ, even with my sin, has brought on a radical transformation in my life and in the life of all believers. For through the law, I died to the law that I might live to Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Based on my union with Christ, I am now in Christ, as he has said in verse 17, I am in covenantal union with Christ as my head. I am no longer under the old covenant. I'm under the new covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ, filled with his spirit implied. He has died to the law, not to the Ten Commandments, however, as he's going to essentially say or point to later in this letter, but to the law as a means of justification, to the condemnation of the law, to being under the law as, in a sense, powerless to keep the commandments of God. But he's able now to live to God in Christ, with Christ in him. His death has brought new life and true obedience. He has died with Christ here and now lives with him. Or more than that, as he says in verse 20, Christ lives in him. Here we see the the glory of this transforming union of the indwelling Christ. Of course, he, he knows, as he says most of the time in his letters, it's the spirit that indwells us. But it's Christ's spirit. What Paul is pointing out here is that when When he uses this language of 
Christ dwelling in him. It's, it's making, it's the Spirit making him, the Spirit of Christ making him more like Christ. Christ in him by his Spirit. Sanctifying him. Transforming him into the image of Christ from glory to glory. Making him, as we see in chapter 6, a new creation. He is the one who, who loved him, who, who gave himself for him. Notice the personal nature of this. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Not Christ loved his church and gave himself for the church, but Christ loved me and gave himself for me. That's what each one of us should be able to say. Yes, he died for his people. Yes, he died for the church. Yes, he died for the whole, all the members of Sovereign Grace Church who believe in him and rest in him. But he died for me. And he died for you individually. There's nothing more comforting and encouraging than that. And we have the authority of Scripture to be able to say that. He died for me, Paul says. And Paul ends this chapter with a final response to his opponents in verse 21. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died to no purpose. Here's his final response. They said, you've nullified the law. Paul responds, I don't nullify God's grace. And he leaves it at that. I don't nullify God's grace. Here's the lesson. Not only does Christ save us, Christ changes us. Not only does he save us, but he changes us. He changes us into his own image. We need to pray for that. We need to seek that. We do it by regularly seeking Christ. Seeking him in prayer, seeking him in his word, seeking him in his body, the body of Christ, the church. Being in the midst of his people, growing in Christ with one another. Brothers and sisters, Christ is in us individually by his spirit. May we continue to grow day by day in Christ-likeness. Let's pray. Our God, how we thank you for the great truth of your word. that We are saved by Christ alone. But more than that, we are transformed by Christ more and more into his image. And so, O oh God, how we pray that you would continue that work, that he who began a good work in us will continue that 
until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ when he comes in glory and we become like him because we will see him in all of his glory and we become him, we become like him even as he really is. And so, O oh God, come, Lord Jesus, we pray. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.